Hi, welcome to the Founders for Good Bite Size Edition, where every week we'll be sharing a short clip of a founder chatting about a particular problem that exists in the world and how we go about solving that problem. This week we have Daniel George, the founder of StepX. Coming from humble beginnings, Daniel was a high potential individual that excelled academically. But when he went to apply for an MBA program, he suddenly realised how challenging it was for people from lower income backgrounds to get access to further education and training. In this episode, Daniel explains the limited options available for people to finance their further education, why this stops up to 95% of the population from realising their potential, and the negative knock-on impact this has on people, educational bodies and society. Daniel starts by explaining the most common ways to finance further study, and why these don't help most people. There's a lot of different types of of education. Um, There's the sort of the traditional university education to become a doctor, lawyer, engineer. Um, Then there's a sort of more technical training. And this is anything from driving a truck, being a pilot, to sort of blue collar trades, um, uh, all the way through to sort of special dental technicians and things like that. So the university side at the undergraduate level, I I think everyone knows it's a good system, student loan company pays. um, And you if you're a UK citizen, for most courses, you can get, uh, get get a good amount of money from the government to cover your course fees. But the problem is they just say, hey, everyone gets the same amount of money. Um, and the universities then often don't have an incentive to provide a good level of education. They all cost about the same. Um, the ones that deliver you a degree that doesn't really boost your career at all, all the way through to the ones that do. Uh, I think the big problem occurs at the postgraduate level where you've got your undergraduate in law, but you still want to become a lawyer, um, you need to do usually a one-year master's in law. And that can cost at a good university like Oxford or Cambridge um, upwards of £40,000, which is just out of reach of most people. Uh, And that's the same for nearly every highly paid professional qualification. When we get to the technical qualifications, it it just falls down because there isn't government support or very, very limited government support. where we've sort of been the most active in the last two years, so of the sort of millions of pounds of qualifications that people have managed to get by paying a share of their future earnings, the majority of those have been software development um, IT professionals. And it is a really cool field because it means, especially in the pandemic, there was still a massive demand for IT professionals. And people can go from earning £18,000 a year stacking shelves at Sainsbury's to then working at, I don't know, Cisco, Facebook or Google earning £40,000. Um, and all this after a three-month course. So they can get a completely different standard of living. They can afford a car, they can go on holiday, and their lives are completely changed just because they've done this three-month course. The problem, of course, is in the past, they needed £10,000 to do that course on average. Now they can just say, I'm not going to pay you anything today because I don't have any money, but I'm going to give you a share of what I earn in the future. And is that is that the fundamental issue with how kind of financing educational or further training has, has been in the past is the fact that if there is any kind of support, it's very much here, take it, you're going to have to pay this back at some point. And there is no actual link to the quality of the training education or what comes out of it afterwards in terms of like how much you earn. I think you're spot on there, Craig. Yeah, it's, um, I think making the education institutions also have some skin in the game, essentially. So saying, look, you select the people that do your course, you provide the training and, and the education, and then usually you also help place them into jobs. You have some career services at the end. If you do that really well, you're going to get paid a good amount for your course. If you don't do it very well, then you're going to get paid less or nothing. And I think that really helps then students. They can they can have some confidence and say, if I'm going to do this course, that 
that course wouldn't exist if they didn't provide a good standard of education and help me into my uh, chosen career path. So it's trying to align all of those different incentives. There is a lot of universities at the moment um, at the undergraduate level where people will never, ever earn enough to repay the amount that those courses cost. Um, and, and I think that's really sad. And at the moment, the entire burden is either on the student and then also, of course, on on the government taxpayers. Um, so we shift that off of the students. They actually, this is not the student's job to vet which education provider is the best because it's very difficult. We're going to try and change that pricing to make sure that the education institution has some skin in the game and essentially has, they get a royalty on how well their course performs. Yeah, nice. And, and yeah, just continue to kind of speak broadly around the space. Um, for one last question. Um, if we look kind of traditionally at those people that would have missed out, so they couldn't get finance, they couldn't afford to pay for these courses or, or degrees like by their own, um, what impact does that have in terms of the edu- on the education system or, or like on those on those people down the line? Yeah, I think there's this sort of it's twofold. Well, it's probably threefold. One is on the people themselves, like the people I grew up with, my neighbours. There were some very clever ones and some not so clever ones, but universally, they're earning far, far less than I think they should or could have earned if they'd have had the same opportunities that I had. I was very fortunate, uh, and, and I got a scholarship. But they're sort of most universities give out less than one percent of their course fees in in scholarships. Um, so. People are just trapped in jobs that are far below what they could be doing. Obviously, for society, we'll never know what those people could have done. We'd have better medical care if the best talent could could become doctors, better bridges if the best talent could become engineers. So it's also really sad for society. I think for us as a business, our customers are the education institutions. And it also has a big impact on them. Because if your course costs sort of £40,000, immediately there's about 95% of the population who will never, ever be able to afford your course. So you really minimize the, the, your, your market. Your market size shrinks massively. And suddenly, you can only take the most talented of that top 5% of wealthy people rather than the most talented of 100%. And, and that has two impacts. Obviously, it's always good to have more demand for your product. Um, you can make sure that all, all your lecture halls are full. Um, but the secondary thing, and the reasons that some of our top tier sort of university partners like NCAD, ESA, London Business School, Cambridge University work with us. They know that getting the best talent into those courses, it actually improves the quality of their course for everyone. It improves their rankings. Everyone wants to be with the best talent (laughs) uh, in that classroom. So by saying that that potential Nobel Prize winner on a council estate who previously would have gone nothing wrong with it, but stacking shelves at sort of Tesco. Now they can go on and become something far, far bigger in their careers. And having that person in that course actually enriches everyone's educational experience and, and sort of crassly for the university, their business after all, they think, well, that'll help our rankings in future and, and people will be more attracted to our university if we've got a higher rank and we've got better caliber people going through our courses. So it sort of has a threefold impact on society, the student and the education providers as well. Yeah, it makes complete sense. It's, it's pretty scary, actually, just the impact it has on all those three different like level, levels. and. To your example earlier, like I was one of those people. I did a law degree, an undergrad, and the next year would have been me shelling out, I think, 10 or 12 grand for the, the next part of training that I needed. And I wasn't one of the lucky few that got the, the sponsorship by a law firm. Um, so I ended up going down a different path. Um, so I, I could spend all day chatting to you, I guess, about the finance system for education. But um, let's talk about StepX <laughs> for a little bit. So um, for the listeners, could you give an overview of, of what StepX does? 
Yeah, absolutely. We basically allow universities and education providers in general across all qualifications to provide finance themselves. So they don't need a finance provider. And I think in the past, what's been really difficult is a finance provider has come in and said, well, we need to make pretty hefty returns ourselves. We're going to pay the the education provider up front, and then we're going to collect it from the student. Um, and that hasn't really worked because they've had to charge sort of credit card rates of interest. I, I know, I don't know if you looked into it, Craig, when you're looking to do your um, law training, but you get charged sort of 25% interest, which is just ridiculous. It is more than most credit cards um, to take out a student loan from a private uh, finance provider. So we say actually the university themselves can just accept they're going to give out that qualification and they're not going to get paid up front. Instead, what they're going to get is a percent of what that person earns for, for, for a set number of years in the future. So typically, it's sort of 8% of what someone earns for five years after they graduate, only when they earn above a certain amount. And of course, the maximum they'll ever be repaid is capped as well. Um, so I think a really good example is Buckingham University. Uh, this year, if you're, uh, you want to go to Buckingham University across any of their courses, um, except medicine, you can go and pay with a share of your future earnings. And why this is so important is Buckingham University is one of the highest um, graduate earnings of any university in the country, but it's a private university. So it doesn't have their fees covered by the student loan company. It's the biggest private university in the UK. But this year, if you're a UK student, you can go and you can pay with a share of your future earnings and you can now be one of those people who go on and earn a lot of money after you graduate. It's no longer just, well, you're wealthy, so you can afford to do that and then you're going to become more wealthy because you've got this great degree. They've opened it up now to everyone. Um, and I think that's what we want to do for every university. And we've got, of course, a long way to go, but we've got um, a good number of some of the top universities across the UK and Europe now on this scheme, as well as all of the top IT bootcamp providers. We're now moving into blue collar and, and medical um, training as well. <laughs>